Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi there, and welcome to the Explaining History podcast. Um, today I'm going to talk a little bit about Britain's Labour government from 1945 to 51. Um, if you are interested, I just finished writing a textbook for the Edexcel syllabus on Britain, uh, 1918 to 1979, um, and that should be in all good bookshops by uh, June. Uh, just saying, just saying. Just dropping that in there. Um, but anyway, the reason why I want to talk about this um, is because it's uh, fraught with um, problems and mythologizations and I think all sorts of um, misconceptions uh, and that kind of thing. And it's an interesting question to ask why it is that this reforming ministry that um, established itself, was established in uh, 1945, six years later um, is uh, cast into the electoral wilderness for 13 years. If you think about the um, liberal reforming governments from 1906 onwards, um, they have you know, generally a, a far more successful run of things. They have at, at least one ministry or more. Anyway, so let's start with the 1945 general election. Um, it was called um, following um, uh, VE Day, but before VJ Day. So Winston Churchill had rather hoped that he could hold the coalition together until at least the victory over Japan, and then perhaps uh, even further, um, quite what Churchill thought was going to happen Uh, following the victory over Japan, uh, I don't know, but he certainly had given some talk to his uh, senior staff of making war against Russia in 1945 onwards and hopefully dragging America into it. So perhaps that was part of his thinking. It's, it's not really very clear. So the um, decision by Labour to call a uh, general election had been uh, always part of the, the general agreement within the, uh, national, the uh, national government, the wartime national government, since 1940, when it was indeed um, Labour's decision to uh, back Churchill um, against um, Lord Halifax and, and to withdraw any support from Neville Chamberlain that enabled Churchill to be Prime Minister in the first place. The um, campaign that uh, Churchill fights, as 
um, is popularly known is quite a negative one. Churchill during the election refers to the Labour Party as um, having need of a Gestapo. They said that um, the uh, growth of the state that Labour had planned into areas of the economy previously untouched by the power of the state, except of course during the war. Churchill said would need some uh, vast bureaucratic sort of secret police force in order to enforce it, which was um, you know rather crass, rather crude, and, and treated with ridicule at the time. But that alone doesn't account for Churchill's defeat in 1945. He believed that a grateful nation would back him and would um, support him in, in peacetime, and there are various theories as to why that doesn't happen. Theory one is that there is a, was a social revolution that happened during the war. This is put forward by Arthur Marwick, um, who believed that um, the experience of war had profound sociological, uh, lasting sociological effects on, on Britain, and it made us more egalitarian, more classless, less inclined to really listen to a, a Tory aristocrat. The evidence, however, that social change, social attitudes changed particularly during the war was pretty thin. Um, the organisation Mass Observation, when interviewing people during the war, found that basically class prejudices and reactionary attitudes generally sort of prevailed. There was a, a wider sense that um, we must that, that people in Britain must um, temporarily during the war kind of muck in together and sacrifice together and share some kind of experience of sacrifice, even if it's just through rationing, to get by. But the idea that we become this um, more even uh, and less uh, hierarchical society well, is, is pretty illusory. The um, experience of the 1930s is the, the next theory that... Uh, British people looked to the 1930s and looked to um, the uh, long era, long period of uh, economic depression between 1929 and about 1934. But again, that doesn't make much sense because firstly, during the worst periods of the depression, there was a Labour Prime Minister, Ramsay MacDonald. Um, presiding over a national government, admittedly, which was predominantly made up of Conservatives, but um, a Labour Prime Minister nonetheless. Secondly, during the um, period of recovery from 1935 to 1939, um, there two Conservative Prime Ministers. So the idea that the Conservatives were synonymous with um, with economic downturn is, is challengeable. It's not to suggest that, uh, irrespective of the facts, public opinion criticised the Conservatives, because in, in no doubt it probably did. However, memories of the 1930s perhaps can't give us everything we need in, in order to explain Labour's victory in 1945. Um particularly since um, at least part of the decade there was um, a, a return to prosperity and the areas that were m most deeply afflicted throughout the 1930s, places like the North East, uh, the Clyde in Scotland, South Wales, these were Labour supporting areas anyway that would always have returned Labour MPs um, irrespective of uh, good times or bad. So a third explanation, is one I prefer, is that um, 
the two world wars, not just the first and the second, but the first as well, had demonstrated to British people that the state had a very important role to play in uh, economic management and in uh, the development of uh, um, of society. So uh, ideas that were statist um, were very popular in um, 1945. Now, if we go back to the argument about the experience of the Great Depression, the um, notion that a free market should have a hand in deciding prices, wages, levels of employment uh, and uh, the distribution of goods by uh, 1945 is quite a discredited one. Not only has the the free market um, appeared to have um, failed during the 1930s, but state management of the economy appears to have triumphed during the first half of the 1940s by the government um, setting targets and quotas for aircraft production, um, dominating the food supply by rationing and um, intervening in all aspects of economic life, the uh, scourge of Nazism uh, was successfully defeated. Now, this is obviously an oversimplification, and there is a, it had a, obviously a great deal to do with American loans and um, lend-lease programmes and that kind of thing. But it's about the perception so statism um, was um, and state intervention become um, far more popular ideas in 1945 than really the vagaries of the free market, which are associated with the Conservative Party. And the, um, the Conservatives themselves were not averse to um, state intervention. There's this idea um, that perpetuates that the uh, Labour Party's manifesto, let us face the future, um, and the Conservatives were, you know, a, a red and blue document. This isn't really true. If you look and you can Google it, it's online, the Conservative Party manifesto in 1945 contains um, a great deal about house building, about some kind of version of a a, a national health insurance scheme or or national health um, service, Um, the uh, intervention within the market to um, alleviate joblessness, and all all sorts of stuff that uh, the the true blue Tory of the uh, Thatcher years would have, um, have found deeply shocking and this is under the under Winston Churchill so the an overall um, overall political consensus in 1945 was the state does have a significant role it just so happens that the Labour Party uh, seemed to be able to capture this sentiment far more successfully the idea uh, while we're on the subject of the state and its role isn't necessarily a Labour one either. It wasn't a Labour um, Party member, or indeed a Conservative Party member, that developed the foundations of the welfare state. It was Sir William Beveridge in 1942 with the Beveridge Report, who was a Liberal. So the um, the ideas of um, in, of state intervention and the uh, use of state power in order to create a uh, standard of living, a high standard of living for Britain's working classes um, after the war, originally has a kind of a liberal uh, origin. Uh, And that perhaps is why it's relatively more acceptable to the Conservatives than if, if it had been associated 
with some kind of uh, dastardly Marxist plot. Um, 1945 um, sees a fundamental problem emerge for the Labour Party, and it's one that would eventually um, break the Labour Party by 1951. And this is something that I think... um Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It's a recurring feature for Labour. You can see it under Ramsay MacDonald, under Clement Attlee, and later under Harold Wilson is that the ambitions and goals that the party has are very much um, subject to the vagaries of um, the free markets and of um, really what's in the Treasury. And in 1945, obviously, uh, Britain has been um, severely financially tested by the war, but is virtually bankrupted by the decision of the Americans to end the Lend-Lease programme. John Maynard Keynes uh, visits Washington in order to negotiate what he was hoping for would be a gift, a a, a one-off gift um, to the British Exchequer in order for Britain's um, efforts alone between 1939 and um, 1941 during the war. And instead, the Americans don't give a a gift at all. They give a loan. It's a loan that is smaller than that which Keynes had hoped for, and a loan that um, is based on certain uh, exacting criteria. One of them is that by 1947, currency controls will be removed. That means that there will be no more controls on how how many pounds you can either A, take out of the country, or B, exchange for another currency. This means that by 1947, there is a run on the pound. There is uh, precious little reason for American investors to continue investing in the British economy, um, along with other international investors, and they exchange their pounds for dollars. And it really is the end of the pound being the world's reserve currency and the, the rise of the dollar. And both the First and the Second World Wars, um, America really um, triumphs um, at Britain's expense 
using these sort of finan financial devices um, and supplants the you know the bankrupt British Empire with um, the uh, American sort of imperium of the 20th and now 21st centuries. So the problem that Britain has is that, and particularly that the, the Labour government has, is that they have high spending commitments and now an economy that won't really perform. And they have a, and much of this was based on the hope that either A, America would lend or give Britain money, or that B, they would lend on such terms that would be favourable to the British economy, i.e. Uh, enable the British to keep currency controls. Neither of these things happen. Um, one possible reason is that the um, Republican um, and right uh, aspects of the Democrats looked upon the, um, the plans for the welfare state in uh, Britain, saw it as you know, Britain going communist, and thought, well, we're damned if we're paying for that. The, the problem here is that the, the emerges is kind of intensified by the Korean War of 1950. Um, this is a pivotal moment for the Labour Party. The, the Labour Party had two factions, a Bevanite left and a Gatesgalite right. Um, but the Bevanite left under Nye Bevan, the uh, founder of the NHS and Minister for Health, uh, was... Um, determined to protect state spending. Nye Bevan was a you know extremely hardworking, extremely passionate um, advocate of um, free health and a, a free health service. Immensely disliked within the party for his kind of um, brash and abrasive attitudes and um, loathed by the Conservatives, not least because he, I think he described them as lower than cockroaches. His experience of growing up in uh, South Wales during uh, the turn of the century perhaps didn't really dispose him to the uh, the, the, the gentry particularly. The um, Gateskillite right um, were the uh, you know, behind Hugh Gateskill, the Labour Chancellor and later Labour leader, were the the kind of the emergent sort of centre of the party. And you can see this centrist tradition. Um, later on, in the likes of um, Harold Wilson and James Callaghan, you might even suggest that Tony Crossland, uh, well, Tony Crossland certainly is a centrist contemporary of Hugh Gateskill, you might even suggest that people such as Tony Blair come to um, represent it later on. That's a whole other discussion, I know. Um, in 1950, um, the Budget um, announced by Hugh Gates School contained uh, cuts to the NHS, including prescription charges for glasses. And the reason for this is the cost of the Korean War, which had just begun that year. The Korean War had precipitated this huge arms boom, and uh, there had been a uh, rapid need for um, Britain to expand her military forces and to expand her uh, overseas commitments. Um, the belief, obviously, was that there were, this was perhaps the beginning stages of a third world war, um, and Britain, particularly in nuclear terms, had to be ready for it. Um, the, um, the Labour Party virtually divides over this issue. With the the left and uh, Bevan and the right and the Gate School taking uh, odds with one another, 
um, Gates School, insisting that certain cuts have to be made in order to um, pay for defence, in order to pay for Britain's commitments within the Cold War, and um, Bevan insisting that this is a complete uh, abrogation of everything that the Labour Party stood for and a, a uh, surrender, really, to what he called Toryism. He uh, assumed, really, that Gates School was something of a Tory in disguise. And it's these kinds of splits that lead to the um, defeat of Labour the following year, in 1951. But the other issue that really leads to that defeat is the inability um, of Labour to uh, end rationing. Rationing is only ended in 1954 on all all goods. And the need to um, retain rationing long after nearly every other um, belligerent country has abandoned it is partly due to the miscalculations that Labour makes in 1945, um, assuming that... Um, the lend lease would continue is partly due to the fact that um, the loan uh, issue didn't work out quite as hoped and the fact that much of the money that was borrowed from america is not invested in um kind of capital infrastructure projects that will uh, enhance the uh, productivity of the economy and much of it is is frittered away on day-to-day expenses and a lot of it is spent on um, keeping germany fed the uh, British-occupied zone of Germany is extremely expensive. The result, however, is that Labour are seen as firstly um, questionable when it comes to the economy, and secondly, this enthusiasm for statism, this enthusiasm for the power of state intervention to build um, hospitals and flats and to uh, redevelop the economy, becomes increasingly strained as the material goods um, that uh, other countries appear to be uh, beginning to enjoy don't make it to um, to to Britain during the cold winter of 1947 the British people had to accept food parcels sent from relatives in places like South Africa and Canada the uh, standards of living for British people, or actually worse, in the um, immediate post-war years, 1946-47, than they were than they were during the war. Um, that said, the Labour government by um, 1950 had um, restored economic productivity. Unemployment was um, virtually negligible. And they had developed a national health service, they had implemented um, the 1944 Education Act, and they had begun to um, develop um, new uh, housing projects for people bombed out during the war. The um, Labour Party had, um, this is of of kind of slightly more questionable economic merit, had uh, carried out a range of nationalisations partly um, due to ideology, um, i.e. that the uh, the height, commanding heights of the economy should be in state hands and therefore um, and under what would be described uh, by the left of the Labour Party as democratic control, though how democratic that is is uh, arguable. Um, but also it was a way of preventing a recurrence of the 1930s. A, uh, the state industry that can be subsidised can never really... 
uh, be undercut by a private concern. So a state-owned car company, for example, um, will never go out of business um, because uh, of competition from a, a, a foreign private uh, private concern. And this is um, probably the case, but also it stores up fundamental economic problems for later on. And the um, relationship, which we'll kind of hopefully explore later on in another podcast, between um, nationalisation, state subsidies, uh, productivity and inflation is a very complex one, um, one which um, really requires more examination than we've probably got time for right here. Okay, so I hope that was useful, and um, as I said, uh, just mentioning, there is a, a textbook for AQA, uh, Edexcel, I beg your pardon, and the second one that I'm just finishing off for AQA coming out um, later this year, so keep your eyes out for them, and uh, there are two new Explaining History titles hitting the shelves in the next week or two. One is um, Explaining International Relations, 1870 to 1914, A Student's Guide, and the other is Explaining Britain and Her Empire, 1851 to 1914. Um, so if you're studying at the moment and you need a bit of inspiration, check those out and they'll be with you soon. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.